Hi, welcome to the 96th episode of In The Between. This is Denny. This is Nadia. Hello. Uh, we realized it's been two months <laughs> since our podcast episode. Live, what can we say? Um, <laughs> we don't even look the same anymore. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because every time we have to find out which episode it is, and then we have to look back <laughs> at the previous episode. Anyway, here we are. We're still around still thinking about fashion and um of course we were kind of working pretty hard throughout i would say december we, we definitely took a break and then january was very full on we're with, yeah with lots of work which is good with like lasalle um, with singapore art week for me and all of our little things that we do right i mean yeah yeah i concluded i I've been doing a couple of things with the National Library in Singapore, and it's really interesting to see how the library is like redefining itself and trying to connect with younger audiences and, you know, just being relevant. So I just visited their renovated space, public lending library, and they have like all these immersive rooms now. Um, so it's really cool to see um, one of the last public spaces that you know that are still available around for people to enjoy um in the city and how it's like redefining itself for the 21st century so one of the interesting things that they were doing is also trying to coincide with singapore art week i think was this um the reading nation and they had this program called um play press play and they were trying to connect um, different TikTok trends to, to, to speakers. So, for example, they had one on like Cottagecore and one on Dark Academia. And I I hosted or like I, I was a panel. Um, I, I, create, I put together a panel on Y2K. Nice. I think we've spoken about Y2K before and... And I remember the first time that I heard the word Y2K again after being in Y2K was like maybe five years ago as a, when I first started teaching. And one of my students was like, oh yeah, I really love the Y2K aesthetics. And I was like, Y2K, that is what we call the year 2000. Mm -hmm. And it was so strange to see this aesthetic, like the Motorola phones and the jeans coming back. Do you yeah. remember when you first started hearing Y2K again? Of course. It just felt so... Uh, it's very odd to talk about it now because at the time, it felt so futuristic, right? Like literally even the words Y2K instead of the year 2000 felt like it was very much something of the future, which it was. And it also felt quite um, ominous at the time because it was apparently also supposed to be like the apocalypse oh. happening, right? Yeah. And then it came and went, and of course, like nothing terrible happened. Um, but now when we're thinking about it as Y2K, it feels like something that was so old. Yeah, very retro. Yeah, because it's been 24 years since Y2K. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I put together this panel with two artists and uh, a researcher on punk DIY, which is our colleague, Jeanette Chitik. Um, and she she was part of this like growing scene in the 90s um, of independent publishing. She was she said in the panel that 
she literally graduated and was working in 1999. So she was, she remembers the actual technology that was being used and that real fear of their documents and work really disappearing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was, yeah, digging up all these like zines that she's been collecting and like showing us how like dingbats or like uh screenshots will of the of the world wide web will start appearing in the zines. So that was really uh fun to to see from that perspective. Absolutely. And of course all the fashion choices of the time. I think now sometimes looking back, you just can't really believe what felt like really avant-garde because of course what is avant-garde becomes normal after a certain time. Um, and I think this is where you know, we're thinking about something we're working on with our students, I mean, separately, but the same group of students about future identities. Yes. And when we think about future identities, actually, I realized that we're talking about present identities, because how do we know about future identities, right? All we know is what we know now, and we're trying to speculate from there what will become maybe the norm in the future. Um, I don't know about you in your class, but then for me, I talk about like personal identities, but also like brand identities and how they interact with each other as well. Um, and it's been interesting for the students to just discover lots of like case studies, especially within Southeast Asia, where lots of brands are figuring out how to embrace identity in a way that's not been done before. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we have discovered and been really enjoying like debating is how we're really coming into our own in the region and um, brand owners are much more daring and embracing uh, of things that we might have suppressed in the past, right? Like really our, I don't know, like the way we are here. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. Like things that, even things like accents or like, you know, uh, yes, things that right. make us embarrassed or like not uh, not modern or, yes. not, yeah. So em embracing this thing that makes us us and speaking in like a more authentic voice, literally also. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for articulating that. Yeah, and also like even, you know, silhouettes from here, right? And using it in an unironic way, literally, and just being like, this is who we are this is like our heritage and we love it and we are equating it with like being modern being cosmopolitan because it is that it is not backward it is not a costume it is fashion and I found it very fun to just discover these things you know with my students through my students and for them to also see where I'm coming from with this because sometimes it's like you you see it and just think it's like it has always been like this but it have it really hasn't I mean I really see this search of just um, confidence in our own identities and like negotiating it. Do you but, have a brand or a, yeah, yeah. Some, something you came across either from yourself mm -hmm. or from the students that are, that showed this very clearly? Yeah, absolutely. I think in recent times we've been looking a lot at like Malaysia and Vietnam. Um, mm -hmm. So like in Malaysia, certainly brands like Bahati or Motoko um, mm -hmm. have been coming up repeatedly in my classes with the various students I work with and in Vietnam also there are some like really cool brands like just kind of like taking a humorous um look at um their own heritage or sometimes not a humor sometimes just like being very matter of fact so for example like Karam which I really like as a brand and I think 
it's also good for the students to see like, oh, you know, I can be proud of where I come from and I can also embrace things that like I might have overlooked because I thought it wasn't very special. It can be special, right? Because we have these multifaceted identities and we're trying to also um, teach the students that identities are not set in stone and they are not like something you're born with. It's something that is created and negotiated constantly. Yeah. So that's, that's been fun. I, I think also sometimes it takes our own eyes to become a bit detached to be able mm. to see the everyday as something special, right? Like, like that's why when somebody new comes into a space, they are able to identify things that make that space unique. Mm. So true, yeah. But sometimes with that annoying exotic lens, which I know they cannot help, but it's like, you know, <laughs> as the as the person being observed, as the culture being observed, they can feel a little bit like, why you do this? <laughs> yeah, it is that balance. I I I love that. I love I love that we can see that feeling and that the students are excited by seeing what's going on in around the region and we get a lot of students from around the region. And one of the other elements about thinking about identity is thinking about the future. And so mm. my students, what I brought in was um five uh, principles of thinking like a futurist, which I got out of like the futurists, which are this group of people just thinking about the future. And one of the points that I really liked and that I think this, my students have really picked up on is this point around focusing on signals. And what the futurists say is that the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. And for example, we can, if we think about Y2K, computers were already there or like cell phones were already there. It's just only the wealthy could have it. And then suddenly now we see that everybody has connection to the internet. And so the future was there already. It's just that it was only distributed with like a couple of people. So if we look at maybe some things that are already available, but only to a small group of people, we already can foresee what the future is going to be like in the next few years. That's so cool. Okay, that's actually quite yeah it boggles the mind but it's it's so yeah. true it's like once you realize that then you're like oh yeah of course that makes sense yeah and like it doesn't the, just descend suddenly right? yeah exactly things don't just appear suddenly and so some of the examples i showed them was like for example how already uniqlo has like protective uv uh, fibers so the, the the idea of like fibers with more health benefits are definitely gonna continue and like digital garments, the first digital garment was sold in 2019. Um, Lee, Susan Lee doing, you know, bio leathers like more than 10 years ago. And we're still in that conversation. So it's definitely going to have a breakthrough soon, I hope. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You know, this reminds me of one of the talks at um, C-Focus, at C-Spotlight, um, which I, I helped organize. And it was between two artists, Harry Dona and Ding Kule. And they were talking about craft, you know, and storytelling to, through craft. And I feel like there's that sense there, you know, of how craft seems very traditional, but then there's actually so much innovation going on in the craft, which makes it always very, like, avant-garde, very fashionable, I feel, you know? And it's just like the lens through which we see it. If we see it as something very futuristic, it can be. And actually yeah. it has to be to remain relevant. But if we keep on seeing it as like, oh, no, craft is traditional, then it's always going to feel that way. 
so maybe it's about like looking at things differently right like being more aware being more like embracing of you know what we already have and kind of like looking at it differently in a more positive light yeah Mm. okay okay on that note I guess we'll leave you some food for thought as we (laughs) welcome the dragon year and um, hopefully everybody has a very prosperous year of the dragon and we will be back with the next episode in a shorter time (laughs) because now we've settled into 2024 thank you